Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is not too late to make a New Year's resolution, even if it's no longer the time when people are saying Happy New Year, especially if you're looking to get fit and have nutrient-dense food that's going to give you energy without a bunch of sugar, salt, fat, and processed stuff that just doesn't serve your body well. And one way to do that is with home delivery of Factor chef-prepared meals. Fuel up fast with ready-to-eat nutritious meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list, and you don't have to cook before you settle in to watch wrestling during the week. Achieve and maintain your 2023 goals with Factor. It is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, Start saving time, eating well, and living your best year yet. You've heard me talk about these before, I suspect, and I order Factor Meals on my own, whether they sponsor the show or not. I'm a believer in these meals. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook, even though I like to cook, but I know when I'm eating good food, and it's so nice knowing those Factor Meals are in the refrigerator, fresh, never frozen, with whole food, healthy ingredients, ready to be microwaved in just over two minutes, and I'm eating. I don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery and pay a tip. And frankly, so often that delivered food is full of fat, it's deep fried. You're not going to get that with Factor Meals. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50. That's a new website and a new code this month. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50 and use code wade50 to get... This is clever. 50% off your first box. That's code WADE50 to get 50% off at factormeals.com slash WADE50. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the PW Torch Daily Cast for Saturday, March 4th, 2023. First up in today's doubleheader is Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure with Tom Colligue and Nick Barbati. And they dive into the Cody Rhodes Roman Reigns feud and why they don't think it's catching fire to the same degree as Sami Zayn and Jay Uso. Then we jump back five years to a very timely episode of Making the List, which is Pat McNeil joined by ROH announcer Ian Riccoboni to discuss the seven best Ring of Honor matches of all time. That's a daunting task. That's a great library of matches. Everyone from Jushin Liger to Roderick Strong entered the discussion. They also talked about Ian's favorite ROH moments, being in on the ground floor of Women of Honor, that following weekend's 16th anniversary pay-per-view, the broadcast plans for All In. Yeah, we're getting to that point, aren't we? And whether ROH can fill a 9,000-seat arena for Supercard of Honor. All right, so let's get to it. First up, a brand new episode of Nick and Tom, followed by a five years ago episode from March 4th, 2018 of Making the List with Pat McNeil and his guest, Ian Riccoboni. Oh, yeah, just fine. Fine, I'm getting rushed to do an intro on my own damn show. Welcome, everyone, to Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure, starring myself, Tom Collihue, and also featuring Nick Barbati. We are on the PW Touch Daily Cast every Saturday to cover the latest in wrestling news with a particular focus on WWE as we have such a wide range of other podcasts available covering every known area on PW Torch. We are diving into WWE and particularly this week I've got to say WWE Smackdown which we've just seen not the greatest show in the world because it started with a segment that I'm it's really making me worry about Cody basically. We know the match that's coming up at WrestleMania is Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. But am I alone in thinking that Roman Reigns destroyed Cody Rhodes on the microphone at the beginning of SmackDown? You know, Tom, when we were first initially pitched this show, I think we were asked to maybe look at retrospective things from old PW torches in the past. And I thought, oh, that, yeah. like, if we took that angle, we would not about to become the villains of PW Torch that we're about to become right now. Because while everybody and their mother and father are on Twitter talking about how great of an opening segment that was the SmackDown, you and I have not spoken, but I've seen your tweet. And I have to say, Tom, I am in full agreement with you on everything that not only you tweeted, but what you just said. And here's the thing. There was not an equal performance between Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. There was not an equal script for Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes last night. There was something that I think is people are willing uh, to 
to embrace about this. But there's a lot wrong with this segment. I don't know how much you want me to jump in right now. But yes, Tom, I totally agree with you that Roman Reigns destroyed Cody Rhodes in that segment. This is not a path to, I think, a a great storyline necessarily heading into WrestleMania from what I can see. And I also don't think it was this monumental start that people are making it to be. And in many ways, for while while Roman Reigns um, did destroy Cody Rhodes, I don't think it was also Roman Reigns' greatest performance ever. And I think, um, you know, it was the reading and listening to Wade Keller's take on it. And Wade's always been an appreciator of Roman Reigns' acting, um, especially with this 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 recent character of Roman Reigns. I actually felt like he got some of his cues off uh, in terms of his his facial expressions. So let me hear what you think, and then I'll dive into a little bit more about mine. Okay, so I'll do a bit of a timeline from beginning to end of the segment, and then I'll hand over to you for the same. We opened with, obviously, Roman coming down to the ring, missing a few people. There was clearly a storyline going on just in the people behind him that did not involve Cody Rhodes at all. He could have been coming down to talk about Sammy. He could have been coming down to talk about Jay. There were many other things that Roman could have been occupied by. Cody Rhodes looks like a distraction because of that. He eventually came down to the ring, basically accused Roman of being a coward for having his boys there. So Roman said, "Okay, bye, boys. So what do you want to talk about? And just like that, in that one line, the fans made a decision. Roman. The people in that arena decided Roman's our guy. And from there... Roman absolutely tore Cody Rhodes apart. Now, I agree with you. This was not Roman's best performance. He did flub a few lines. I do believe the uh, the dream impression was very good. I'll, I'll give him that, certainly. But there was long, drawn-out pauses. There was long moments where he was considering what to say next. It hit hard when he hit. But there was plenty of room for Cody to jump in. It felt like Roman was waiting for Cody to jump in and counter something. But Cody just never did. Until the final bit, where I believe his response was something like, yeah, everything you're saying is right, and I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania. Well done. Cody right now has serious participation trophy energy. And it just does not sit particularly well with me that he doesn't seem to be earning the right to be taking on Roman, especially when you've got Sami Zayn as a comparison right there, proving himself constantly as a, a natural uh, opponent for Roman as well. Cody, for me, could do so much better. I don't understand why he didn't, because you don't have to be great on the microphone to be better than what we saw last night. It seems like the script was for Cody to lose for me. It seems like that was a plan, because Cody's entire retort was, yep, everything you're saying is right. All those zingers, all those burns, you got me. And I'm still going to fight you. Well done. You've got a match booked. We already know that. Right. Well, here is my, my part of it. So, yes, you're absolutely right about how that did not make Roman Reigns look like a heel at all to dismiss his backing. That was odd. Um, the other there, there was just a lot there, too, in terms of the Dusty Rhodes references, which I thought, you know, I'm going to be, you know, take a risk and say if Vince McMahon was still backstage, I think people would have a lot more negative of a take on the Dusty Rhodes element than they are having now. Now, listen, I think this is handled with a little bit more of reverence and respect than other past storylines involving the late Paul Bear and the late Reed Flair have been used. But I also still think like, hmm. Check your hypocrisy, people. This it, it worked w- with the segment between Cody and Paul Heyman weeks ago. I thought that that was a fabulous amount of it. But I don't know that uh, people were entering into this program with this vast knowledge of the relationship between Dusty Rhodes and um, Roman Reigns, which now is being really the, the backbone of the conflict, which I just think seems 
seems odd to me. I mean, there are other people you could infuse to either give backing to that. I think like a Charlotte Flair or others that could, uh, you know, be used in talking head segments to verify that or whatnot. But it feels a little artificial from us who weren't at that performance center when Roman Reigns was coming up. So that's the first thing. But the digs Roman is are where it was getting in last night to Cody hit very hard in comparison to Cody just, you know, Cody in his suit, then using these like, I, I don't even know, florally words leading up to saying, and I'm I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania. And then Roman's supposed to be scared of this. You know, Tom, I thought of you during that segment because I remember one of our initial conversations was when Edge was going against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania two years ago before they added Daniel Bryan to the match. And we were saying, like, something seems off here. Roman has taken on all these other challengers who've actually been like threats to them. And then suddenly Edge comes out and is making very pretty innocuous type comments about going up against him at WrestleMania. And suddenly Roman looks infuriated. Like, remember, like suddenly that it made him out lose of his cool. And that's how I felt last night. So while I understood, like, say, Wade saying that he liked Roman looking to the side and looking like he was about to, like, you know, like lose his cool, but then would bring it back every time he faced Cody head on. Sure, like it's a strong acting technique to do, but it didn't fit the moment. Nothing Cody said was, quite frankly, interesting. And I bring up the suits thing because, you know, I understand that that's his character. I don't like his costuming. I really don't. I think that um, it's a little disconnecting, I think, for the audience to like really root root for him. That's how I see it. And he's always a very sharp dressed person. He looks great. I mean, he's a very handsome, you know, but in great shape kind of guy. And it fits, if that's his character, I get it, but it's not, I don't feel like the counterpoint that people are looking for necessarily for Roman Reigns. Um, that's just my take that you, how do you go from that, that everyday underdog that Sami Zayn is, as I said, to the to the quarterback on scholarship, which Cody Ray Rhodes sometimes feels like. I mean, there's a disconnect there. I will say, I thought the audience really embraced Cody at his entrance in a way that I honestly haven't heard. But I actually would make a tweak. They need to lose that. There's more than one. Um, was it royal family in wrestling or whatever? Yeah. There's something about that Cody Rhodes entrance that up until the oh, people don't connect to. Agreed. Yeah, um, the the opening of wrestling has more than one royal family. You see this a lot when it comes to uh, wrestlers in general. They start with something that makes you pop. For example, the glass break. The glass break is that immediate moment of, hey, Steve Austin's coming, get hyped up. The Rock shouting, if you smell, etc. A whole lot of people have had them over the time. John Cena, of course, had it a bit slower, but Randy Orton had it as well. And you see so many wrestlers with this. This doesn't work for Cody, it's too slow. It's not like the burn it down for Seth. It doesn't come quick enough. We get to that, the moment where they do chant, whoa, and you hear the audience go for it, and you think, wow, this guy's over for that two seconds. I get what you're saying about the suit. He does look fantastic, but it basically says to the audience, we're not going to see anyone fighting here. We're not getting physical. We're not getting involved. If you see Bobby Lashley last night did not wear a suit, which is unusual for Bobby Lashley, and telling that we're about to see him, him getting at least a little bit physical. Sometimes there are subliminal messages that you see that you don't really recognize, and that's one for me. As regards the uh, Dusty Rhodes of it all, I have to point this out. I've just done some research. The last match that Dusty Rhodes had was in 1991 at the Royal Rumble, so January 1991. So 32 years ago. 
32 years ago was the last match that Dusty Rhodes had. So when they are basically evoking memories of Dusty Rhodes, what's their target audience here? Because I'm pretty much confident you have to be at least 40 years old to have that same emotional connection to Dusty Rhodes that they're trying to evoke. It's the main event of WrestleMania built for 40-year-old and plus, because if so, you're missing a lot of the fan base that are there in the arenas. I get that Cody's been built around Dusty, but could you also maybe try and build him about Cody at some point? Could we try and get some personality for the man himself and not build everything over the character that is unfortunately long gone? It's just evoking memories of someone who most people in that arena won't have seen live, won't have the same emotional connection to. At this point, they're trying to get the Gen Z viewers in with Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. That seems more like a fitting WrestleMania main event because that's at least modern and ready for the audience that they have now. But at the same time, most of the audience of WWE historically has been 50 plus when you see it in comparison to AEW. So are they hitting the right target audience? Even so, I'm very, very confused. For me, it just it doesn't quite hit right. Cody doesn't have enough personality. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, well, that I agree with. And I think, well, I think Dusty Rhodes did indeed, Tom, have some nostalgia matches after that. I mean, throughout WCW and even ECW. But yes, as an active wrestler, it's been a very, very long time since he's been in there. But, you know, that part doesn't actually bother me. The like is like the relevance, I guess you could say, of Dusty doesn't because I think you can still find the heart in the story. I do. I think he's enough of a nostalgia figure and and, and all of that that um, people have a lot of real genuine warmth towards. Um it's just that it, it feels artificial. And, that, and I think that that's the, the part that uh, it, it doesn't have to be. But as I said, this, there's not a whole lot of footage. It doesn't appear unless it's to come of Roman with with Dusty over the years. And you yeah. know, maybe they do wheel that up. But again, is that the WrestleMania program? That's what's going to take down Roman Reigns when we had this amazing, elaborate bloodline storyline. And I would argue that everyone's heat is being altered by the pacing of where we are now. I thought Sammy's heat was altered. I didn't think he was nearly as hot last night as he has been. I think, um, you know, there's just something that that timeline wise I, I'm having trouble with. I have told you before, this recalls to me WrestleMania 15, where the heat leading up to it was Austin versus McMahon, which obviously wouldn't have been the Mania main event. But then The Rock, who was, you know, maybe the right opponent, wrong time for Austin, then came up. And that's kind of what this feels like to me. You know, I got into a little debate with a student at work yesterday. I was like, it can't be Cody. It can't be Cody. He's like, it's going to be Cody. It is going to be said, Cody. I said, but it doesn't. It's not a matter of if it's going to be. It's when I say it can't, it's my way of saying it shouldn't. And there's, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, maybe semantics of me not wanting to be, quote, wrong. But, you know. It helped me understand, I guess, if with a performance like last night, you know, for, for months now, people have been, I think, rightfully concerned about the, you know, Cody not being turned heel on us unknowingly. Um, and I think that last night was was that reason, you know, show me how anybody thought that that line at the end was 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 the strong, you know, counterpunch. It, it wasn't. And how nobody would have caught that with Cody. I'm going to say this. There is seems to be a, um, you know, an ego to the character that seems to come out in his performance, like using some of the words that he uses and with his presentation, with the, the music and everything like it needs an editor. It really needs an editor. And I get this sense that he's actually pretty firmly in control of his character from watching that because yeah. – it seems like someone in their head, you know, this is going to sound so stupid, Tom, but you remember the early days of the show, we used to talk back about the X Factor a lot because I loved yeah. that show. And when X Factor came to America and Simon Cowell presented this show, a lot of people couldn't connect to it. Not only people would, would lean in and say, oh, it has a British feel to it. It wasn't the British feel to it. It was the show needed an editor. There were there were things that came over that just didn't that just seemed excessive, like little weight announcing ticks that they would do and the, the length of the video packages and just, you know, a lot of the stylations. It Someone needed to get in there, but Simon Cowell had too much of a broad stroke. So let me bring it back to wrestling so that doesn't go on too long. That's what this feels like. It feels like, you know, Cody Rhodes was given a little bit of free reign. He earned a ton of respect on his Hell in a Cell performance. 
But it's now getting to the point where, honestly, if Vince was more actively involved backstage, I think some of this would have been would have been altered. And that's not necessarily a compliment to him. It just this might be where there's a little bit too much of a leash being put um, allowed for him, a little bit too much of a give when really I think it needs to be reined in a bit. I think, unfortunately, this has become a thing at recent WrestleManias. I'm looking particularly at WrestleMania 35, the main event, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. But Kofi Mania is what everyone was talking about going into it. You've got to strike while the iron's hot. And while, unfortunately, with Cody, the opportunity wasn't there because of injury, the reason the iron was hot is because of the injury. Cody Rhodes came in on a big wave of momentum, but the injury basically guaranteed him main event of WrestleMania status. But we're wrestling fans. And while I think you and I take a lot of effort to analyze as fairly as possible, it is a what have you done late, uh, done for me lately business. And sure. Cody Rhodes kind of hasn't. He did a very good performance at the Royal Rumble. Gunter really helped guarantee that as well. And Gunter is the one who got the heat, not Cody. Because Cody came in at number 30. So he was fresh and Gunter came in at number one. It wasn't a fair contest. And that certainly hasn't helped to elevate Cody as they were clearly hoping for. Then you've got Sami Zayn, in this case, the Kofi and the Kofi mania. It feels like Cody is a distraction to the Bloodline storyline. And in many ways, this is a problem of the WWE's own making. Rey Mysterio was a distraction. A distraction from Jey Uso, from Jimmy Uso, from everything going on there. Drew McIntyre was a means to an end to get us to Solo Sokoa. Do you remember the match against Cesaro? Nobody else really does either. It was just a distraction, a means to an end to get you from point A, which is Jey Uso joining Roman, to point B, which is Jey Uso leaving Roman. The big story right now is with Jey Uso and is with Sami Zayn. Cody Rose is also kind of there. And the fact that we haven't seen much in the way of face-to-face, this is the first one a month after the Royal Rumble win, tells me that the WWE themselves aren't particularly serious about this. Cody feels like a distraction at the moment. There's no legitimate reason for him to really hate Roman Reigns. I don't think he really does hate Roman Reigns. If anything, he keeps showing consistent respect to Roman Reigns. And that's fine if we're going face versus face. But this is a guy who just beat down Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. He's not a face. Roman is supposed to be a heel. And right now, he's a face when he steps in the ring against Cody. He's a heel when he steps in the ring against Sami Zayn. So the only logical choice is to build heel heat by keeping throwing him against Sami Zayn. And that's what they've had to do. Next week, we talk about Roman Reigns dealing with Jey Uso by dealing with Jimmy Uso. That will keep him a heel, but it's got nothing to do with Cody Rhodes. It builds in no way towards a WrestleMania match with Cody Rhodes. What's Cody Rhodes going to do? We don't know. We have absolutely no idea. Based on this promo, absolutely nothing. He's going to stand there, smile and wave, and just be happy to be involved. We need a lot more aggression from him. We need a lot more killer instinct from him. We need a reason to root for this guy against Roman. Because at the moment, yeah, there's reasons to root for Cody. There aren't reasons to root for him against Roman. There is a reason big feuds carry such weight. You look back at, you've mentioned there, The Rock versus Austin. And people remember that fondly. The matches were okay. The matches were okay. But the story was always The Rock versus Vince McMahon. WrestleMania 15, it was The Rock and Vince McMahon. WrestleMania 7, sorry, uh, Steve Austin, Austin, Vince McMahon. Thank you. WrestleMania 17, it was Steve Austin turning heel and joining Vince McMahon. The Rock was a prop. Sure. 
the main eventer, the champion coming into WrestleMania 17 was a prop to turn Austin heel. And then you get to WrestleMania 19 when the story was Austin leaving. It wasn't anything to do with The Rock. Mm-hmm. The real heated storylines you get is when both men have reason to hate each other. There's real investment from both characters. You've mentioned Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels before. Love that. Exactly. You look at Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. There was a reason for that. There was a streak and there was this endless desire to be the best on both sides. You also, of course, had a lot more on the second match because The Undertaker did not want to take it. He wanted to say, job done. I've already beaten you. You know, Tom, there was an, a, a moment last night where when I was watching the, the opening segment, I thought the way to beat Roman is by being out Romaning Roman, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody's effectively done that. You know, so if I were writing that Cody script, you know what I would have said? And you people are going to say that this might go against character. But I think when, when Roman dropped the line, you know what your father used to say about you? Nothing. You know, I think Cody could have said something like, Here's what we're going to do. You're going to keep my father's name out of your mouth because while my father was main eventing across the country, your father was someone asked, which one is he? Just like as a throwback to that Jey Uso line, right? Yeah. And I thought that would have been much more effective. And then the Roman sinking in and going like, oh, like almost like he'd been punched in the face would have come out. There's – you need to – you know – when they go low, you go lower with this kind of thing. And I think that would be kind of a fun story to see about Cody Rhodes, who's really, you know, you want to see what a scrappy um, second generation star looks like. That's what that's what we'll do now. The problem is, I, and this is going to sound like a real, real stretch. I felt like Cody Rhodes was being outclassed in a lot of different ways last night. And it wasn't just by by um, Roman. I thought Paul Heyman was exceptionally strong in the backstage segments with his acting last night. I thought Sami Zayn's promo in the concourse was fabulous. I think Dominic Mysterio was the best performer of the show last night. So when we're starting to talk like Cody falling all the way down, again, it doesn't mean necessarily people are turning on him. But I do want to have a conversation with you about his heat. But it just shows that if he's not even in the top five best performers, then why him is my question. But let me ask this. This is a debate that I have had many times with people in my, you know, in-person friend group. I don't hear the heat for Cody. I hear the heat for the, the whoa. Yep. Do you think he's over? It's a difficult one at this point. I think he got the huge pop because he was coming over from AW, but at the same time, He's a nice guy in wrestling. We don't watch wrestling for nice guys. We watch wrestling for carnage. We watch it for TLC, Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber. We watch it for blood if you're watching AEW at the moment, plenty of that. You watch it for carnage and destruction. Not a nice guy just letting someone else finish destroying them. I'm not sure. I think Cody Rhodes is a big name in the industry. I think it's a very popular name. I think people are behind the whoa-oh moment, and I think people were saying this about uh, Seth Rollins during his Universal Championship run when people were shouting burn it down but holding signs saying Seth Rollins is not cool I think he's over I don't think he's Roman Reigns over I don't think he's Sami Zayn over right now you get over by consistently having great storylines because you can get behind a storyline and not a character I was talking about this last night during stream Sami Zayn for example is over now because of a huge character a huge storyline. That moment in the concourse was fantastic. Pulling back the hood, everyone realizing it was Sammy and really getting behind him. 
proper voice of the people moment, Daniel Bryan moment. He really had the people in the palm of his hand with that one. But how many wrestlers have had huge moments and managed to go nowhere with it? Rusev rode in to face John Cena on a tank. People still talk about that. They're not clamoring for Rusev to win the world championships on either side. He's Miro, of course, now in AEW. Big moments are big moments and certainly can hook you in and keep you interested. But if you don't have enough of them, you're not over. Look at Randy Orton. You can point to 15, 16 huge storylines that he's been involved in that make him over and popular today. Roman Reigns is there right now from the bloodline storyline. He's reached that pinnacle. He's reached that top. And it's been long enough that he will stay there. Cody Rhodes, since returning to the WWE, has had a good match with Seth Rollins in a cell. They got five star. That's all we have to work with. If you ignore AEW, as I imagine a lot of WWE viewers choose to, then what we've had people from, do. Yeah. What we've had from Cody Rhodes is Stardust, a good tag team feud against the Shield, which we haven't heard reference to for some reason, where it was uh, Cody and Goldust versus Seth and Roman. Oh, I forgot about that. Everyone's forgotten about that. Why are we not referencing this? Why are we not referencing this? And uh, the feud with Seth. That's all we have to go on with Cody so far. Oh, and the fact that he was injured but came back. We need more. Because when he came back to the company, after beating Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, he talked about how important his dad was. And then after their next match, he talked about how important his dad was. And now he's talking about how important his dad is. Can you get over when you are literally one thing? You have to have a rounded character. He does. He does need to have a rounded character. I remember the the Raw after WrestleMania last year when he came out to No Pop. And that was the Raw after WrestleMania. Again, people can disagree with me. I know what I heard. I know what I saw. That was when they had that weird contraption set up and he came up from underneath it because the, yeah, yeah. the, the thing wasn't set up. So, sure, that would be enough for me to go like, Earl, that ain't cool. But, you know, listen, I don't know how I would take the rest of they've You've got a month. I don't know, like the twists and turns. I mean, do you do you lean in fully to the, the um, Dusty Rhodes elements? Possibly. Do you have Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, you know, haunting the um, various locations like the, you know, maybe like, you know, the Florida arenas that that Dusty Rhodes performed in? I think he might have had some great matches in the Cow Palace and. You know, the Sportatorium is not there anymore. But like, do you go to those kind of places? Do you go to the ECW arena? Do you go to any of these places? Um, I don't I, I don't know that that I don't know, because especially when the buildup for next week's SmackDown is Jey Uso. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite and SmackDown and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. This is retrievable, I feel, but they need to pivot strong for several reasons. Firstly, I think they need to start mentioning that tag feud and actually show that there is history between Cody and Roman. Secondly, I want to see Cody actually getting involved instead of sitting on the sidelines waiting for Roman to come to him. Imagine for a moment next week while Roman's talking to Jimmy Uso, you see a backstage segment from afar and Jay talking to Cody, just having a conversation with Cody. Suddenly there's a bit more intrigue. There's a bit more interest. Cody's involved. At the moment, the story does not involve Cody. 
the WrestleMania story doesn't seem to involve Cody, and yet he's there. It's much like the you mentioned Edge earlier. The story going into WrestleMania, the year Edge won the Royal Rumble, was Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Edge just happened to be there. And that's what I'm getting from Cody right now. He's still a big name in wrestling. He can still turn this around, but he needs much better writing, more aggression, and he needs to actually want to be involved in this because it doesn't seem like he wants to be involved. It's Roman. It's not just a means to a belt. It's the biggest man in wrestling. The biggest act you can possibly work against. Make it count. Well, Tom, history, history would show that you and I were right about Edge two years ago. That was our initial bond. And I'm going to really say, was. I wouldn't be surprised if in two weeks you come to me and say, Cody can't win the championship. It's only a couple of weeks ago I remember saying to you, I think they should pivot and Sammy should get the opportunity. And I've been consistent that it should be Jay. So, I still think, I still think Jay is going to be the one to dethrone Roman, except for the fact that he can't be, because Cody's going to dethrone Roman. The bloodline will be broken up by Jay. The bloodline storyline will continue, but the championships will be gone, and Roman will be humbled in the middle of the bloodline storyline. It, it feels like it doesn't belong. It feels like a footnote at the bottom of Wikipedia that they mention in the middle of a whole article on the bloodline. It seems like they're just trying to get the belt off Roman, which if they were going to do that, why would you do it this? I just, well, it's very but, well, it, their history has shown a similar instance. This was when you look at WCW during the NWO era, um, Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, the hottest heel in wrestling. We're building up to this epic match with sting, you know, in the future, mm-hmm. loses, loses yeah. the championship to Lex Luger. Yep, you're and right. then gets it back shortly after. You know, it's there's a lot of politics in the backstage area. There's a lot of competing forces. There's a lot of pressures to have fresh, fresh, fresh. You know, is it the smart thing? No, but could I see them falling for the same trap? Yep. I don't understand why they're going for both championships when they could split them and have Jey Uso eventually dethrone Roman for one of them, the Universal. Cody's made it clear he's only really after the WWE Championship anyway. That would be the easiest play for me. You could still have Roman doing double duty, working against someone like Sammy, but picking up an injury along the way. There are ways to book this, which isn't this complete dead stop at WrestleMania. Because at the moment, when you get to the main event of WrestleMania, you've kind of seen the storyline you're interested in, and now here's two guys going after a belt. The only real intrigue is, oh, the belt means a lot to Cody. It doesn't mean anything to Roman. He proved that last night. He laid it on the floor, said he didn't care. And then, of course, Cody celebrated the length of his championship reign and the crowd showed respect for that. Far too respectful for me. Are you happy to move on from that? Happy. You say happy, but the first thing I'm going to move on to is Bray Wyatt, so you might not be I'm not happy. Nick's not happy. So I've got to hold my hands up and say I was wrong. You should be. I was wrong about Brock and Omos. Oh, yeah, we were all wrong. Wishful you were really thinking. wrong. Oh, yeah. Wishful thinking on my part there, because Brock versus Omos is happening, meaning that Bobby Lashley will be taking on Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Bobby Lashley, Bray Wyatt. There was no good outcome here, because th- there are rumors uh, that Brock Lesnar turned down a match with Bray Wyatt. I believe this came from Fightful Select uh, Paywall Service. And uh, if if that's the case... I get why. You don't come out of a feud of Bray Wyatt looking good. LA Knight 
has been harmed by this. It certainly elevated him, but he hasn't landed on his feet since. There were signs that he's starting to, and I give him credit for that with his promo last night for the Intercontinental Championship picture, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But when it comes to Bray Wyatt, how can Bobby Lashley possibly get out of this in any sort of positive? Tell me that. He doesn't get out in any sort of positive. He gets out. He wants to get out at a neutral level. That's the best case scenario. I mean, yeah, there's a um, there was there's nothing good that's coming out of this Bray Wyatt world. I think it's extremely damaging to all involved. I think it's been super damaging to the legacy of Bray Wyatt, which, again, was already super damaged. But enough time had gone by that the fantasy of this being some spectacular character was allowed to be created. I stand by the fact that I think um, Bray Wyatt's in-ring performances and just overall feel and look and whatnot was was not ready for TV. I felt like he ju- it was like maybe like a mixture of like a greatest hits compilation of some of his promo stylings uh, mixed with just a hope and a prayer that people found it compelling. And for a while, people did find it compelling. There's a lot of fabulous production elements that were put into place at his return in Philadelphia. There has been a lot of uh, interesting elements in that really initial couple months. The problem was after a few months, it was pretty much revealed that the emperor had no clothes. Yeah. And then you got to the Royal Rumble, which is really where everything, you know, everything came undone. That was the realization of the characters that stood behind Bray Wyatt have no meaning. The man has no ability to put on a great match these days. Uh, I'm sorry that if that sounds harsh, but it's how I felt. Um, the um, tacking on of the Mountain Dew element, I thought was harmful in retrospect. I thought the fact that LA Knight outclassed him um, the entire way, very harmful, especially when you now look at LA Knight has indeed been harmed by this. So he didn't get out better for it. And didn't get out any more interesting for it, which is, I think, what we would have hoped for, an evolution of his character, a darkness coming to his character, him being added to Wyatt Circle, everything. That's gone. The overlapping of the Bray Wyatt personalities seems gone. And then now we're at the, like, that that comical cartoon video he made of Bobby Lashley. And, you know, it's hard not to watch these segments and just say, I want more for Bobby Lashley in these like later years of his 40s than this nonsense. He deserves better. But also there's no storyline connection now for uh, Bray Wyatt to you know go after Bobby Lashley. And I guess we've abandoned the slasher flick type things that was were used for L.A. Knight. And now we're just going back to, quite frankly, old school Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And so then you have the Uncle Howdy thing there. And that doesn't seem interesting now. And. You know when they when you know the moment he was about to spear Uncle Howdy last night, yeah. The lights go out, the lights came on, he's gone. I, all anyone who watched that thought was he's under the ring. Yeah, there was There's no there. There was nothing you know mythical or magical about that. That's just where we are at now. What yeah. is all intrigue, all you know, succumbing to you know the the aura of Bray Wyatt is just gone, and now it's just. You know, WWE circa 1992 cartoon. So when Bray Wyatt came in, a lot was promised. We had the unveiling of the Wyatt Six. We've seen them once since, and they just stood there. We saw the unveiling of Uncle Howdy. And then we started with all the different clips and all the different things designed to intrigue us. I think Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, I should say, in many ways leached off of LA Knight. Yeah. 
in order to keep himself relevant and interesting. Because if you remove the LA Knight feud from Bray Wyatt since October, not a single thing has happened. Not a single thing. And it's harming everyone it touches. Uncle Howdy was brought in as this ethereal character, overseeing Bray Wyatt, encouraging him to do bad things. It's a guy in a mask. We all know it. The fact that he popped up against Bobby Lashley, threw some punches and got beat up, and then crawled under the ring. There's no ethereal power there. There's no master plan, it doesn't feel like. There's there's nothing. There's no threat either, Tom. There's no threat at all. Now Bray Wyatt is literally going backwards. Literally. So we saw the Firefly Funhouse. We've seen elements of The Fiend. And when you saw him in The Mask of the Royal Rumble, it was The Fiend. He played The Fiend. He was unstoppable. He was slowly marching forwards. He was a fiend. If anything, we have to start asking the question, is it just someone on some sort of drug that stops them from feeling pain? Because at this point, you have to ground it in reality at some point. And Bray Wyatt seems to have no interest in grounding this in reality. None whatsoever. So what we get is what we're always promised. Little tiny video clips and a promise that, oh, if you wait uh, like a year, it'll all mean something. It never has. At no point is ever. You could look back through the entirety of Bray Wyatt's career, and every now and then a fan will say, oh, that's what this means. Did it? Or is it just conveniently placed there, and eventually it does work out? How many times, how many times have people claiming to be pro wrestling reporters stated, oh, this person's coming back, and then a year later when they do said, ha, called it. No, you didn't. You absolutely didn't. There are definitely people out there who have said, oh, Sasha Banks is coming back. And in three or four years, if she maybe comes back for a match or pops up backstage, it's going to be like, ha, I said it, I always knew. That feels like Bray Wyatt to me. He's not, he's not showing you a hint of what is coming with the story because there are no hints. The story makes no sense. The, the story doesn't make enough sense for us to follow. The only person who can follow this story is Bray Wyatt. And even then, I'm not convinced because here's the thing. If the plan was to pitch a Bray Wyatt versus Brock Lesnar match for WrestleMania, then it was done in the last few weeks. Clearly, obviously done in the last few weeks. Brock Lesnar saying no. This again, according to Fightful Select, the match was changed for Elimination Chamber. The finish was changed so that Bobby Lashley won and made Bray Wyatt out not to be a liar. So what, two weeks? And now he has to rewrite the story to be against Bobby Lashley. You're telling me he's been dropping hints for a match that he didn't know he was going to have since he returned? I don't see it. I don't believe it. This screams Goldberg to me. Losing the championship to Goldberg because at the last minute they were like, hey, John Cena, it can have a match with him. It's not a plan because it can't be a plan. You cannot, as Bray Wyatt, sit there and plan out the next year because at some point someone's going to say, nope, you're doing this match now instead. Yeah, I mean, this. I can't say that you're wrong on all this. I think, I think here's the best tell of where Bray Wyatt is. If he were to, say, be released by WWE, say for whatever you know reason, CM Punk style reason, where there's like an edge and interest, I don't think he would go somewhere else and be in any interest to anybody. I don't think he would... Yeah. Why should anybody turn the channel to watch him now? Where is the um, proof that, to your point, anything ever comes out of anything meaningful ever comes out of anything he's involved in? There is none. There we is have none. many years of history to look back at and say that's the case. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't find it interesting or compelling at all. I really, really don't. And I, I was ready for it to be interesting. I knew a lot of people who were really interested in it in many ways was the reason why they tuned back into wrestling because it does have that, that spectacular element. There was also, you can't ignore this, Tom, the feel of with Vince gone, it will finally be done right. And it shows that in many ways, Vince wasn't the problem for everything. And we mm-hmm. talked about that when Vince left. We did. And that goes to the Cody Rhodes thing too. And let me just dovetail this yep, back um, is, you know, one thing Vince was always known for was being able to, you know, make something feel epic. I mean, the, the undercard stuff, not great. That was never his calling card. But getting to a WrestleMania main event with a uh, exclamation point at the end, that was kind of his thing. So if there isn't that this year, maybe you could look at it and say maybe because they it needed a little a little sprinkle of Vince dust. Then you look at this and say you can't blame, you know, as everyone did, Vince for all the failures of Bray Wyatt in the past. Bray Wyatt is ultimately responsible for where Bray Wyatt is this time. And you can't put that blame on anybody else. You really can't. With all of the different rumors, everything that we're seeing, it is clear that Bray does have a lot more control than he used to. And he's involved a lot more in the storytelling. My issue is that, I don't know if it's because he's never really finished a story. I'm a fan of Bray Wyatt. I enjoyed his work as part of the Wire family. I thought that faction was particularly good. You saw the matches against The Shield. You saw his work with Daniel Bryan. He was really an attractive prospect. He was interesting. He was intriguing. But he hasn't moved on. He hasn't evolved. If Randy Orton was still trying to push Mick Foley down the stairs, we'd have got bored of it a while ago. We need progress. We need development. If Bobby Lashley was still having his sisters be interviewed in a This Is Your Life segment, you have to develop a character. And what we're seeing instead is Bray Wyatt being the same person in a different mask. Yeah. That's all we're seeing. And he's going back to the Firefly Funhouse, which we saw for years and we weren't that interested in by the end of it. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. You know what it reminds me of, Tom? You know when, like, a legacy performer, like, singer puts out, like, a new album? And, like, instantly when it comes out, like, Rolling Stone magazine, others will always give it, like, like, this happened with Adele. Let me use Adele, okay, recently. Put out an album, Rolling Stone, five stars, best album ever, blah, blah, as soon as it came out. And then when no one's listening to it two months later, because it's not quite as good as it has been in the past, and you realize, like, let me back this one off. Then all of a sudden you start seeing it not win any Grammy Awards, not been, you know, not not nearly embraced as it was because you're you're taken in by the moment of this star coming back. And by the way, that's OK. It's human nature. But I think in this case, you know, as I said earlier, the emperor has no clothes. This doesn't end anywhere with some great storyline. And more than that, it's becoming it's abundantly clear. It doesn't end with a great match, which is what wrestling needs to ultimately get to. The problems are very similar between Cody and Bray Wyatt. It works better as a film. It works better as a story. It doesn't work once he starts stepping into the ring with it. And while Cody, I believe, can turn that around, Bray Wyatt, when he steps into the ring, you know what you get. 
I understand that I'm being very negative here, but I really had high hopes. And I'm just a little disappointed that we haven't seen progress, interest. It's wrestling. And I know the whole concept of what have you done for me lately is a bit cliche, but what has Bray Wyatt done since returning? Like genuinely, can you point to anything of particular interest that Bray Wyatt has done? I can tell you LA Knight did well. He had some pretty good moments and pretty good promos. That's all I've got. And that's disappointing for me. Bray Wyatt is a storyteller. He puts these stories together and they're just of no interest to me personally. I know people are different on this one, but for me, I'm just a little disappointed. Just a little disappointed. Same with Cody. I want him to dive in. It's again, it's fixable. There are ways to make this interesting. Bray Wyatt just needs to hurry up and do something interesting with Bobby Lashley, which I just don't see happening. Bobby Lashley is trying to give him something, but Bobby Lashley is a wrestler. And we've talked about this previously. There are people who can potentially belong in the Bray Wyatt world. I'll look at Karrion Cross as an example. Alistair Black, historically, they can fit in the Bray Wyatt world. Bobby Lashley does not fit anywhere near Bray Wyatt. Wait, Karrion Cross, the guy who looked like he was a 1990s um, guest model yesterday, the monster Karrion Cross with the slicked back hair, who looked like a you know, he was trying to channel a young Antonio Sabato Jr. That that Karen Karen Cross with the the faux Versace shirt with the two tight pants as he was walking that 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 Karen Cross the mo- the monster with the sleeper hold that that Karen Cross Tom I want to say no but I can't mm-hmm. and you know that Karen Cross another one who just hasn't done anything he's been beaten up by Drew McIntyre beaten up by Drew McIntyre, beaten up by Drew McIntyre, uh, eliminated from the Royal Rumble by Drew McIntyre, and now he looks set to be beat up by Drew McIntyre again. Yeah, he looks like he should be a maximum male models last night. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. Let's move on then, because we're talking about Karrion Cross. That seems a natural pivot to the Intercontinental Championship. I don't want to. At the moment. Why? That actually looks quite I good. N- no, it does not. Really? No, it doesn't. And, you know, I'm the positive one of, like, WWE stuff lately, and you've been so damn negative but like that's true that did not interest me at all in fact it intim- it like made me nervous that we're going to get some like what you predicted some big over-the-top yeah. multi-man match and i don't want that for gunther i really don't for the longest time at least before the royal rumble i thought we were going to see drew mcintyre versus gunther with gunther winning at wrestlemania i'd have been thrilled with that prospect after the royal rumble it looked like sheamus might be added a triple threat i would have been thrilled with that prospect now it's starting to get messy. I like for LA Knight, at least it was good to have him there. Kofi Kingston was also there. Not sure he really fit in that particular environment at the time. Uh, Karen Cross was also there. Again, why? I don't like. It doesn't feel like people earn their opportunities anymore. And Xavier was there. Don't forget him. Yeah, he's not even in the match next week. And he yeah, was exactly. there involved. That's He's not true. even in the match. That's, I didn't even notice that. That's so that, true. Why have you got a five-man match when there were six men there? It's not going to be a problem if two members of the New Day are there. They'll wrestle. They did it at the Royal Rumble, however, briefly. But why is he Why is he not getting an opportunity there? It's so confusing to me. By the way, when Drew McIntyre did that flip over the, uh, over the ropes, was that not the slowest landing you've ever seen in your entire life? It was slow motion, but I will just say there were three people there and only Kofi caught him. I know, I know. I only know. Kofi caught him. His was head was Kofi? very close yeah. to the apron. Yeah. It was Kofi. Oh, Kofi yeah, yeah, saved yeah. him. Oh, no, no, no. I believe that. But it was just like, 
This is... Oh, okay. In the meantime, they've Seamus and McIntyre are being chased by the Viking Raiders. Instead, now Ricochet and Braun Strowman are taking on the Viking Raiders. How did that happen? It... Not a lot of things are making sense right now, I've got to say. SmackDown last night was a confusing prospect. But, contrary to your opinion, my opinion is that this Intercontinental title picture is starting to look quite good, but it depends where it finishes. If it finishes with Drew McIntyre and also maybe Sheamus against Gunter, I'm happy. I think that'll be a fantastic WrestleMania match. Me too, me too. But if we end up with a ladder match involving these five men, maybe Braun Strowman, maybe Ricochet... It starts to look like a mess. I can't see anything else that Braun Strowman could be doing at WrestleMania, though. No, I mean, I think next week's match should end with if Drew McIntyre and Sheamus simultaneously getting pins on people and then making them the number one contenders. If that's what this is leading to, I can get down with that, even though I still would prefer Gunther in a singles match with either of the two of them. And but yeah, no, other than that, I don't I don't see this at all. There is also supposedly going to be a battle royal at a Madison Square Garden live show which will contain uh, a, well, sorry, the winner will receive a Intercontinental Championship match at WrestleMania. Oh! That's been reported and locally advertised. Now, I like the idea that uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus getting an equal pin. I'd also love it if they uh, they were eliminated simultaneously at the end of the Battle Royal, just sort of double it up. Yeah. It's a live show. You can be a bit more sure. a bit more wacky, as it were. I'd like that. I think that elevates Sheamus, because Drew McIntyre has been pushed and Sheamus has been involved. I'm very happy with how Sheamus has been used, but I do feel he's still not to the Drew McIntyre level. It elevates him doing so. Also, to be fair, if they want to take the championship away from Gunter, potentially if you want to have him facing off against Cody or Roman after WrestleMania, a triple threat match is the way to do it. I wouldn't have Gunter being pinned. Not now, anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's a storyline there of Gunther being the wrestling traditionalist, being frustrated to lose in a triple threat. I mean, that that's kind of a story. But for me, I would prefer if we get to SummerSlam, if Cody is the champion, to do the WrestleMania Six thing where it's the champ, the world champion versus the um, intercontinental champion type storyline. I think that I, would be interesting. I agree. I think that elevates the intercontinental championship as well and would just be a lot of fun involved. That said, I don't want a unification at the end of it. No, yeah, I don't think that I think you could do a lot more with that we've got too many unifications already Dominic Mysterio you mentioned earlier and the second half hour of Smackdown was basically dominated if you'll forgive the pun Dominic Dominic I got really wrong there did you just really did you just like compliment yourself see you should you'd been better off just letting it go but as usual Tom you go like one beat too long I did this is why people hate you I did, and that that's definitely the reason people hate me. Not anything else. Nope, the not anything else. The self-aggrandizing is what takes you down every time. Well, I am the star of the show. What can I say? Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley involved in successive uh, storylines and successive matches. We opened with Rhea Ripley versus Liv Morgan, a clean win for Rhea after forcing Liv to tap out. Close to a squash, but not quite. The squash came later. Shayna Baszler just completely taking Tegan Knox apart. And then Dominic took on Santos Escobar, who essentially is acting as a a proxy for Rey Mysterio. I've used the term before, I'll use it again, a spoiler, to build towards Dominic versus Rey Mysterio and keep them physically apart. I know both of us are real big fans of Dominic right now. Let's start with Rhea and Liv. What did you think of the match and what do you think of Rhea's chances going into Mania? Well, I think it was, it was a good match. I think Rhea is... 
doing great work. I think she is a bit of a supporting character to Dominic, though. I thought yesterday was really the Dominic show. And I think that's fine if they can trade off. The, the, the thing is, you know, we have a month, but to get Rhea fully heated up as a real solo threat for Charlotte is going to be important. I mean, having Dominic there as her counterpoint is still that's all that's all well and good. And he should be part of that storyline. But is they need to trade off the spotlight. And so her being like the threat in his matches, um, but then still kind of struggling with someone the size of Liv Morgan doesn't work for me. I think she should be more dominant um, if throughout this program now for the next month. And we need to get to a point where she has real teeth in the feud with Charlotte Flair. That needs to happen next week. As regards the possibility of Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania, Dominic continues to build towards that, ripping another mask from the eye hole. The audio, I've got to say, was very good, actually hearing the mask rip apart this time. It was kind of awkward at the Royal Rumble where he tried and failed to rip the mask open, so this was a nice moment. And while Santos Escobar has taken a loss, I do feel this is a good spot for him to be in. Are you excited by the Rey Mysterio-Dominic storyline at the minute? I'm excited for the storyline because of Dominic. Like, I don't really care about Rey involved. That sounds terrible. But it's just so great to see a young performer blossoming in, you know, at a breakneck speed, really. I mean, each week he gets better and better. And he's truly one of the, the best performers in all of wrestling right now. And it has nothing to do with the ring. I mean, he really is exceptional. From the moment his first foot comes out, uh, you know, past the gorilla position, there's a a presence about him. There's such strong character work. And, you know, from beginning to end, there's not a moment that he breaks. It's not too much. It is perfectly heel work and perfectly done heel work, I should say. And, I mean, I just think he's, you know, just ultra, ultra compelling and serves the, the place on the card well. I mean, he really is giving Eddie Guerrero circa 2000. He really, really is. I completely agree with that. The most interesting thing for me is that he's good at the things that Rey Mysterio actually isn't known for. Rey Mysterio was known for in-ring high-octane action. He wasn't known for acting. He wasn't able to emote as much because of the mask, for example. And while there were a couple of good moments with, for example, Batista, uh, the I'm going to rip your head off moment, for example, I feel he did very well there with his acting. Dominic is all acting, all character work, all the time. It does scream Eddie Guerrero at his peak, and he certainly leaned into that since breaking off from Ray and turning heel. There is one last thing I want to discuss, and that is the Women's Tag Team Championships. Rumours from the Wrestling Observer are that Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler will be challenging for the Women's Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania. On Raw, there was a change to the Tag Team Champions. Damage Control, Io Sky and Dakota Kai have lost the championships. The current holders are now Becky Lynch and Lita. We may well get, in some fashion, Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania after all. Looking ahead to this tag match, how do you think it sits on the card? Oh, I don't. I don't feel great about this at all. I mean, I wonder if it'll be a triple threat match with damage control. That's kind of what I would, I would assume so. it to be. But it just seems so beside the point. And then what do you do? Bailey versus Trish? Like, is that what you do? Yeah, I, I, I don't even know anymore, to be honest. I was excited for Becky versus Bailey, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Can I just be honest with you? I don't even want to talk. I don't even care. I really don't care. This is just that's and that's the God's honest truth. I just feel like this is where we're at with her. I don't understand how we're going into WrestleMania with Bailey and Becky just being like 
at, as, at the levels that they are. I mean, that just seems blatantly absurd to me. Ronda Rousey has all, lost all luster. If she never appeared on WWE again, no one would care. Not a single soul would care. That woman can never main event another WrestleMania. I think her the memory of her has been ruined, and I don't know why. Like I know this this most recent run with the championship wasn't great, but it's almost like the recovery from it has been worse. But from her losing that championship, yeah. I mean, it's just been it's been horrible, and it it kind of shows that she was the character of Ronda. I'm not talking about her as a wrestler, but the yeah. character of her has been carried by so many people leading up to this point that once it was just abandoned on the side of the road, nobody really cared, and it is. In retrospect, more of a compliment to people like Charlotte and Becky than you could ever have expected. It was only a week and a half ago we were seeing reports from WrestlingNews.co that they were trying to pitch Becky and Bailey as uh, future Hall of Famers, longtime legends because of their incoming match. And then, of course, the match was pivoted and the match wasn't planned to happen in the end anyway. We're going into this with two former WrestleMania main eventers in Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, one of the biggest names in combat sports ever. Becky Lynch probably the biggest name value woman on the roster at this point because of how she's being pushed, comparable only really to Charlotte Flair. Lita, a former Hall, well, a Hall of Famer. You don't get former, you are a Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer in this as well. And yet it feels like an absolute throwaway last second match. Yeah. It does not feel big and it contains some of the biggest names in the industry. It's baffling that we are where we are with that one. Of everyone involved in that match, I'd be most excited to see you of Sky if it is the triple threat match. And that tells you everything you need to know about the state of this. I also, one thing I would challenge you, and I'm, this is not a Nickism, this isn't me willing to, I think Becky has been damaged for months. I don't think, and you've heard me say it, Tom, now we're over a year now or whatever since she came back. She never came back the same. It never was the same. There were flickers of it, but there has not, there was a great WrestleMania match. And so I'm not talking about her wrestling ability. The character, it, I mean, it's gone. I think, I think, I don't think it's it's ever going to be nearly, nearly as hot as it was. And it seems to me, and maybe this is controversial to say, someone backstage said, we're going with Charlotte as the great one of this era. You get that feeling? I do sometimes get that feeling, yes. I think in this particular moment, the choice is Rhea Ripley. And uh, they've moved on. I think Bianca Belair, if anything, has taken Becky's spot. Yeah, no, I don't, and I don't mean like as for champion. I'm talking about like as who we are no. going to like knowingly no. look back to as like the face of this era. They what really I'm, have gone behind. What Charlotte. I'm suggesting is that era has gone. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not. That's, that's what not I'm false. suggesting. I think the era of the horsewomen is now behind us. And yes, while they're still there in the same way that Batista, Randy Orton were still there, still putting on great matches. Evolution is when they were hot. The hottest, yeah. as it were. You get what I mean? I get what you mean. I, I, I think, think the, you know what's interesting is Asuka's role in this whole thing. She's the bridge. She is, yeah, bridging the gap between horsewomen and uh, the next, the next set, as it were. But Bianca Belair has basically vanquished all of the horsewomen now. The exception being Charlotte Flair. That's the only person left to vanquish. Rhea Ripley is about to arrive in a big way on the scene. She obviously is there at the moment. She's attracting a lot of attention. She's doing great things, but it's about to be kicked into high gear. And the next generation has arrived. For me, I think the horsewomen, their time isn't done in any way, shape or form, but they're the veterans now. They're not the up and comers breaking down doors anymore. The doors are broken. You've done your job. Now it's time to let other people smash through. Well, you remember what Jerry Vada said to me on the boat that one day, Tom. Yes. Yes, I do. 
What was it? It's all about timing. It's all about timing. I wonder how Jerry Bonas is doing. Have you I mean, talked to Jerry? You told me Jerry was going to be on your YouTube channel. Well, you know how I feel about my YouTube. I'm making an announcement. I got received a couple of uh, comments this week about Nick. We want a new episode. Where are you, Nick? I started getting new followers. I think like they were like starting to feel bad. Like let's start following. I don't have fun on the YouTube show. I don't have fun. So you know, if somebody wants to help me and like host me or like something, I would have much more fun with this. But the idea of me sitting around talking to a screen, what am I supposed to do? Just talk to the wall? Like I, this isn't fun. I can't go live because I don't have enough followers. So then, what do you do with this, Tom? I've been trying. What? I've been trying. I yeah, I know you've been great. You've been fabulous. So I'm going to do one this weekend. I'm going to talk about Cody, and I'm going to mm -hmm. talk about the the show last night. And then if 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 I don't feel like doing it, here's what I'm going to do, Tom. I'm at the point in my life where if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. But let me tell you what I am going to do. I'm back. Yeah. I'm I'm back in Atlantic City performing this April. So if you want to see me, come see me. And you'll see a lot of him, to be fair. How did you do know this? You told me. I'm, I'm going to be in my skivvies. Yeah, you told me last week. You were very excited. I'm in, my, I'm, I'm in my skivvies. I should be on a diet, but I'm, as soon as I hang up with you, I'm going to have a bagel. And you know what? I don't even care. I ate a whole thing of Chinese food last night before I went to sleep. And you know what I'm craving? The vodka rigatoni. Ooh. What I will say as regards YouTube is when you're looking for someone to host you, I may well have you back. We are uh, on my YouTube channel adding an extra show uh, between now and WrestleMania every week. So we'll still have our usual spoiler warning shows on Mondays and Fridays. But because we are getting so many questions recently and the one hour show is starting to get to an hour and 40 minutes because of the amount of questions we have coming in, I'm adding a Wednesday Q&A show, a usual oh, that's spoiler fabulous. time. If I'm doing that, certainly, I think it could be advantageous to have a couple of extra voices on it. So you will probably still see quite a bit of Nick on uh, my YouTube channel. Well, I don't do, you know, I may, I don't do threesomes and I don't, don't do foursomes. So I it's, didn't ask you to do either of those. Well, I, you said couple voices. I don't want a couple more voices. There's going to be three <laughs> shows. Are you not saying the word three? Oh, we're doing that again. To wrap up, Nick, where can people find you on social media? At Nicholas Barbati, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-B-A-R-B-A-T-I. I mean, I'm putting out a video on the YouTube this weekend. It's it's make or break. And then, you know, come see me at the Ocean Casino on April 15th. And uh, I'm performing at the uh, the bigger the big arena there. 3,000 seats. If people are asking you for more YouTube videos, I suggest you may have cracked it, to be honest. That's a pretty good start. Should I take my blouse off? Oh, always, always. We talked about OnlyFans for a while now. But I'm still yeah, waiting for it. Uh, but I think I might make more money on that. Is there a Just Us fans someone wrote to me about? I think that's like no you're allowed idea. to you're, you get even racier there. How? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Colohue. That is C-O-L-O-H-U-E. And of course, you can find my YouTube channel at Tom Colohue. Many of you have already dropped in at least at some point to say hi and say how much you're enjoying Nick and Tom. So thank you very much for that. In the meantime, though, we will wrap up and we will be seeing you next week as we continue to build to WrestleMania. Hopefully tomorrow is a little more positive and hopefully next week we're able to put on a little bit more of a positive show because I do feel like I've laid into people a little bit on this one and I feel a little bit guilty for it. We have been Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure. Thank you and goodbye. You know, I was reminded, I need to bring back the greatest hits, my own greatest hits. Jerry Vadas and the X Factor came back today. We need Madonna. We need Rosie. 
Kelly Rowland, you know, you in this stupid Winnie the Pooh thing. I mean, that panda, you have gone. Red Panda. It is a red panda. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. Hello, you people. Today is Tuesday, March 6, 2018, and you are Making the List. I am your host, Pat McNeil. This is episode 7 of Making the List, and today we will decide on the top 7 Ring of Honor matches of all time. Uh, our phone number here is 515-605-9345. The email address, pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com. Our pwtorchlivecast chat room is open, and of course you can send in your Twitter questions to us at Real Pat McNeil. Hello, um, I am Pat McNeil, and uh, we are about ready to go here. Uh, let's see, let me just check in here. I have not heard from Ian Riccoboni, but uh, I'm sure he will be checking in shortly here on the program. And uh, we had a lot of suggestions regarding what the top seven Ring of Honor matches of all time are. Ring of Honor started 16 years ago, getting ready for its 16th anniversary this weekend. Uh, anyway, uh, Anyway, we have uh, we have callers standing by. I know that we have email questions we haven't gotten to. Uh, let me see here if we have uh, anything clever from our good friend, uh, our good friend uh, Soundboard Vince McMahon. Soundboard. No, that's uh, that's probably not appropriate here today. Five one five six zero five nine three four five. Let's see. Okay, uh, I was gonna. Let's see. Let me just put that in there. Okay, so I sent the text to Ian. I'm sure he'll be. Uh, I'm sure he'll be calling back any second now. Why don't we go to the phones because we're we're foolish that way, and uh, we're going to start the program. Speaking of foolish, uh, let's go to uh, Cumberland, Maryland, where I'm sure Ryan is standing by. Hello, Ryan. You're making the list. Good afternoon, Houston. Hello. Okay, Ryan, are you there? All right. Well, that perhaps didn't go as well as I hoped. All right, five one five six zero five nine three four five. Uh let's see what let's see what matches we were talking about coming up with for our top seven. Okay, here we go. I have a message from Ian Nicabani who is standing by, no doubt. Um, let's okay. Um, we came up with a list. We put it up on the internet. Uh, twenty five, twenty six of the top matches in Ring of Honor history. We'll narrow these down to seven, or we'll narrow down some ones that uh, that you have. In mind for us, uh, let's see, on that list included uh, our uh, Davey Richards from Death Before Dishonor 8. Uh, Tyler Black, as you may know, is uh, your favorite, and his Seth Rollins. Uh, Loki versus Kenta from Final Battle 2005. Also, uh, the latter war with Kevin Steen and El Generico taking on... Oh, here we go. Uh, this has got to be him, I'm guessing. Uh, let's, uh, let's give a warm... Let's give a warm making list welcome to uh, Ring of Honor announcer Ian Riccoboni. Hello. <laughs> Ian, welcome to the program. Hey. Hey, hey Pat. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm sorry I missed you. It's been, uh, it's been a busy day, preparation, you know, yes. 16th anniversary, and 
Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, it's understood. Getting ready. I know it's it's great. Uh, that that's coming up uh, this Friday, is it not? Yes, this Friday in Las Vegas. This Friday, right at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific, uh, Honor Club VIP members get it for free uh, through our new Honor Club service. So, uh, you know, you save a a whole bunch of money through the course of the year, and you get a lot of great live wrestling action by becoming a VIP member. So really excited about that. And, of course, uh, Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal, which I believe will end up on the list when it's all said and done. I think that's a that's a match capable and and has the potential of being one of the all time great matches that'll end up on the list. Okay, uh, I'm I'm anxious to see that. Uh, there are some people who want who are more excited about another match that could steal the show, which is uh, the Hung Bucks uh, of uh, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Adam Page uh, in the in a Las Vegas street fight against uh, SoCal Uncensored of uh, of uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. And uh, you know, just becoming, and you know, obviously, we've had five of those, those six guys on this program. Well, I've, I've interviewed five of them, so you know, I'm kind of partial towards that match as well. Uh, that that looks to be very exciting. Oh, it, it's going to be incredible! Anytime the Young Bucks are in an environment where uh, it's a street fight, where there could be trash cans, tables, chairs, ladders, you name it. Uh, they are certainly dangerous, and we saw that at Manhattan Mayhem this past weekend, where they will risk life and limb uh, yes. matches. And uh, and I we saw that last year in Las Vegas when they defended their or competed for the tag team championships against the Hardys and Rapongi Vice. So they're willing to do just about anything. So I, I would agree. I think that one uh, could end up pretty crazy as well. And the Briscoes and the Motor City Machine Guns that that could also end up crazy. I mean, that's that's a possibility. Absolutely, and, and it, that's, this is only the fourth time they've ever faced each other, which is amazing considering the Machine Guns yeah. formed for 11 years ago, and, and the Briscoes, well, they've been together since birth, but uh, you know, they've, they've been wrestling for nearly 18 years, so uh, 11 and 18 years, a lot of crossover there, and to, to have only wrestled four times, this being the fourth, is kind of wild, so I expect something uh, spectacular having called the third match in that series uh, last year in Minneapolis. Okay. All right. So uh, are you ready to, uh, are you ready to uh, talk to uh, the people who uh, no doubt uh, have their suggestions as what the uh, top seven ring of honor, what matches should be on the list of the top seven ring of honor matches of all time? Absolutely. Let's talk to, let's talk to the fans. Okay. Um, Absolutely. Let's go to the phones, whoever it is on the 814 area code, uh, please. State your name in town, and you are making the list. Hello. This is Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. Hello, Ryan. Uh, first match I'd like to submit is Mandy Leanne against Taylor Hendricks, because that was somewhat of a historic match, because that's the match that Kelly Klein made her Ring of Honor debut, and also uh, it was actually a shoot match because the referee accidentally counted Mandy Leanne, who was supposed to out, he was supposed to win that match, but she couldn't get up from oh. the suplex that Taylor Hendricks gave her. Okay, well let's 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 check for fake news here. Uh, Ian, um, is, is this actually what happened? So I remember that match well. It was in uh, California, Pennsylvania. It was one of the first Women of Honor matches I ever called. And uh, yeah, you had to, like they say, you, you got to be there to see see the matches. And uh, you know, it yep. was a match that made her debut and. She certainly made a more assertive debut a few weeks later when she defeated Ray Lynn in, in uh, Dayton, Ohio. 
but I do remember this, and uh, I mean that Taylor that day was the better wrestler, and and she picked up the victory. Yep, that's 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 how it works. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, Ryan, you you are allowed to ask questions of Mr. Rick, Riccaboni you know, now that you have submitted something for the list. So. Okay, that is my uh, second submission is to involve a question with it. It's okay. a match between Jason Thunder Liger and Jay Lethal, where the wrestler is ah. standing outside of the uh, rampway to watch that match because Jason Thunder Liger is such a legend in wrestling. Hmm. They they were I believe that was at Super Card of Honor in 2015. Is that the bout you're referencing? I thought this was a more recent match that was like a tournament based. Uh, it was like an eight man tournament, and I think it was like a TV match. Huh. Huh. Yeah. The the only the only time I can recall them facing each other was in uh, Redwood, California, and I believe that was 2015 for Super Card of Honor. Uh, with the television championship on the line, but I I could be mistaken. Uh, that was the same event where uh, Jay Briscoe. Okay, the there, there was a match between Liger and Lethal on ROH television. I mean, that's in the, the first round match in the Decade of Excellence tournament. So uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. That was thinking. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in Atlanta. How could I forget that one? Um, I don't know. Yeah, that was. I'm sorry, Philadelphia. The tournament concluded in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. No, that one was a great match, and we were all also congregated uh, outside for that as well because it was also Steve Carino's last match in Ring of Honor uh, where he faced Cody. So, yeah, that was a, that was a bittersweet night. Um, you know, we said goodbye to a few folks who were moving on to different, uh, different places and different locations. Um, that was one of our last nights that Kevin Sullivan was with us in Ring of Honor as well. Um, so it was a really bittersweet night. I got to spend uh, a lot of time talking with, with Steve, who remains a good friend, and Kevin Sullivan yeah. um, and Colt Cabana yeah. that night. So I do remember that night well, and, and we were uh, we were pretty much ringside. I mean, as, as close as you can get without folks noticing you at the 2300 Arena and, uh, right. and watching that. So right. I, I recall that about for sure, absolutely. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Okay, good deal. And my final question for Ian is, is, do you think you'll ever step foot in a Ring of Honor ring and who would be the ideal opponent if you were to do say to protect you in such a match? Oh, my goodness. It would, it would have to be tag team, and then my partner would be Colt Cabana um, or, or B.J. Whitmer. Um, you know, the, those two guys are my commentary partners, and they're, they're both former tag team champions. So I would really like to... Uh, I would never do it. I hope it never comes to that. <laughs> I, yeah. would, uh, str- I would strongly discourage it. But, um, you know, if it had to happen, uh, I, I'd have to have one of those guys with me. Uh, ideal opponent? Whew. Man, I guess, you know, I'm a pretty big guy, but I don't know anything about wrestling. So it would have to be somebody, um, you know, have to be somebody that was on the same experience level 
as I am. So maybe wow. Bobby Cruz. Do they have yeah, any maybe, Bobby, maybe Cruz. Bobby There you go, Bobby Cruz, and I guess and I guess Bobby Cruz would have a tag team partner. Yeah, and I guess maybe Karina. I mean, that would be a, a that would be a dream yeah. match, right? You know, me and me and uh, BJ versus Karina and Bobby Cruz. I think that would, it be, would fair. be a dream match <laughs> for somebody. All right. right, I like that. I like that. That's 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 got some. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's a good idea. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much, Ryan. We'll be uh, checking back with you uh, next week, and uh, glad you had some suggestions for uh, for the list this week. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Thank you. All right. Thank uh, you, Ryan. Uh, yes, thank you, Ryan. All right. Uh, Ryan drops off, and that opens up a line for you at uh, 515-605-9345. Uh, of course, uh, at gmail.com is the other way to reach us. I, I've... I say I should have checked that uh, already, but uh, let's let's look at some other matches that could be on the list. Um, one that I think is going to be mentioned early and often is uh, from the uh, the trilogy between Samoa Joe and CM Punk back in 2004. Uh, the second match of the three is is considered by a lot of people to be the best. I you know that's that's a subjective thing because those are all I mean those are all very good matches. I, I don't know how how deeply you want to. I don't know if that that's your hill to die on saying the second match is better than the first. You know, yeah, yeah. I I hold both the first and the second match in, in equally high regard. Um, you know, and I loved all three, so that's that's like picking between your children. Um, you know, I think where well, you know, I, I think it's <laughs> I think where it comes down to is is if you're okay with the result of a draw. You know, if you believe that every yeah. match should should have a, a final ending, or if every match should be uh, you know should be settled within the ring. I think that's where folks get hung up and start to make their decision, you know, and if you're okay with the draw that, that points you one direction or the other, but, um, you know, I, one, one, two, and three, I've, I've seen them all. And there's a great Samoa Joe compilation, uh, that has two of them. And then there's another CM Punk compilation that has all three, I believe. So it's, uh, man, that's asking you to, that's asking me to split airs here <laughs> for sure. Okay. Uh, the, I'm guessing Punk and Joe will wind up on the list somewhere. All right, do you have one you want to throw in here? Sure. Um, I loved the the Hardys Young Bucks ladder match, and that was by oh, yeah. far the most exciting. That was by far the most exciting match I've ever called. Um, there were uh, twists and turns, and, and danger, and excitement, and unpredictability. Um, so that. And then I'd also like to throw in Jay White versus Will Ospreay. I, I think that's okay. just an underlooked, uh, underappreciated, overlooked instant classic that took place at the War of the Worlds tour last year uh, on our pay-per-view from New York City. It was one of the best matches I've ever seen live. Uh, just two incredible world-class athletes um, wrestling for the sake of wrestling. It was a match based yeah. on the fact that these were two young men trying to, to move up the ladder and do their thing, and it was something that uh, they told a beautiful story of two guys really just trying to make their mark. So, for me, those are those are two of my favorite matches I've ever called uh, for sure. And uh, I, I really think that that was an underappreciated bout that fans fans that have Honor Club uh, should definitely check out on that that New York War of the World stop last year. Oh yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a great deal. Um, 
Yes, as a matter, I, I remember the Hardys and Young Bucks well because I, I got to cover the show here. I got to do the write-up on the show. And uh, it was the largest crowd in Ring of Honor history at the time. But uh, you know, earlier today, the announcement was made that uh, there's going to that the that, uh, the elite, you know, of of the Bullet Club are doing an all-in show in Chicago, trying to fill a 10,000-seat arena. Uh, Ring of Honor is not doing that at Supercard of Honor, but they're trying to fill a 9,000-seat arena at the uh, UNO Lakefront Arena in New Orleans. And it's my understanding that they are they are closer to being full than being empty. Is that correct? Oh, that is correct. So uh, right now, I believe it's a, it's set up for about. 5,300 or 5,400. I don't have the exact number, but I know it's in that ballpark. And we have blown the the official Ring of Honor attendance record out of the water at this point um, by at least 1,000 or more. And if you go on ROHwrestling.com, it's really fun to follow along with the ticket sales uh, because you can see day after day uh, there's less and less available tickets at, at face value. And mm-hmm. it's kind of incredible if you think about it because we've only announced one match and we've announced right. that uh, Tanahashi is going to be there. We've announced that uh, uh, Tomohiro Ishii is going to be there, that uh, Kota Ibushi is going to be there. So mm-hmm. we've announced some talent. Obviously, the Young Bucks are going to be there. The semifinals and the finals of the Women of Honor Championship Tournament will take place there as well. So right. those are things we know, yeah. But this event is really uh, become a happening all all in itself, and I would say a good thirty five hundred of those tickets just sold before we had any talent announced. So that really speaks to uh, what an event this is becoming. So we're really thankful about that. I mean, the, the pay per view this Friday sold out. Um, traditionally, sometimes when we run cities back to back, the second night of the double header is a little bit lighter, but, you know, the Vegas fans are really turning out, and there's yeah. there's very limited tickets available for the TV taping the next night. So if you're hearing this and you plan on coming out for the TV taping, get your tickets now uh, because I believe there's about 100 of those left. So uh, not very many. And uh, it, it just we've been very blessed in, in 2017 uh, to see attendance go up in the 2018 uh, super huge crowds in Nashville and Concord. Uh, center stage yeah. and uh, and uh, New York City, all all sellouts are very close to this. So, you know, just incredible the fan support that we've had, and you know, Supercard of Honor, it's going to be it's going to be happening, and uh, all in is another another beast completely. I you know I'm calling Cody every day, I'm calling the Bucks every day. Hey, what do I got to do? I mean, they made me sing at the Hammerstein, so the least they can do is. Uh, mm-hmm. And at least, you know, throw me a bone and, and maybe have me and Colt call a match or two. <laughs> no. Well, now, now here's the thing. But nobody's, nobody's talked about this, and I understand, you know, we've still got, we still have a little time, almost six months. Um, but uh, the, is, this going to, is this show going to be up on, on the Honor Club? Or, I mean, are people, are people, is it going to be a pay-per-view? Are people, you know, are people going to be able to see it? Um, I know Cody is working on ways to see it. I don't know if it, okay. if it ends up on uh, I don't know if it ends up on Honor Club, on New Japan World, on both. Yeah. Um, if it's a if it's a solo pay per view or a VOD, um, I know that he's definitely exploring options. And this is, you know, this is the interesting part in the world we live in. We always, you know, there was a great article on Cody on the Ringer and a great interview okay. and a great piece. And uh, it talked a lot about his relationship with his father, Dusty, the American Dream, and about how with Dusty, uh, you never knew how much of the story was was true or not. But I can tell you with 100% certainty that 
Um, you know, Cody, when he says he, he and the Young Bucks are, are financing this event and they're working at their own deals and really the only involvement from Ring of Honor in New Japan is just kind of a talent exchange and letting their talent work for him, um, that is the absolute certain truth. And so I know they're, they are exploring options uh, because I, I have no doubt that this event will sell out at 10,000 people. And I have no doubt that, you know, it will become uh, bigger than that. And, and folks from around the world will want to see it live. So I know they are exploring, whether it be Honor Club or, or New Japan World or iPay-Per-View or, or some other arrangement, maybe Fight TV. I know that's been thrown out as well. Yeah, why not? The, the sky, you know, the, that's one of those, the sky's the limit. Um, and I mean, but this is the sort of thing, you know, I, I mean, this, this is, uh, this, uh, this show has a life of its own. I, I don't know that, you know, all the other, all the other people are going to try to put together, you know, copycat versions of it. They're going to find it difficult to do without, you know, without Cody and the young bucks for one thing. <laughs> right. And, and Kenny Omega has already been announced and yeah. Stephen Amell and, yeah, and and you know what's interesting? I've already heard that they are um, there are piggyback shows already lined up now that the location has started oh, and nice. stated and the date, and there's going to be piggyback shows on Thursday and Friday, uh, kind of like folks do with WrestleMania. So that's kind of an interesting consequence. So anything to get you know anybody you know anybody some extra bucks and some extra dates and um, anything to get you know money in the hands of, of wrestlers. That's always good. Okay, uh, we need your calls, 515-605-9345, so we can get some serious arguing done and pound out this list of the uh, top seven Ring of Honor matches of all time. There's only like a couple hundred to choose from, so it's, uh, you know, it, it should be easy, <laughs> I figure. Uh, uh, we will be back with more of Making the List after this timeout. And we return with more of Making the List here on PWTorchLiveCast.com. The number is 515-605-9345. I am uh, PW Torch columnist Pat McNeil. He is Ian Riccoboni, the play-by-play man for Ring of Honor Wrestling, the uh, second largest wrestling promotion in this great nation of ours. Uh, Ian, good to have you back on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Pat. No, it's no problem, especially when, uh, especially in the middle of a, a great week for you guys when you have uh, the big Friday night pay-per-view, uh, Ring of Honor's 16th anniversary, when you have a big Saturday show, a TV taping in Las Vegas. Uh, so are you actually in Vegas, or do you go in the next couple of days? I head out Thursday morning. So it's uh, you know, right now I'm in, in beautiful Allentown, Pennsylvania, with a long-storied history of uh, wrestling of our own, which some of it, I believe, appears to be ending up on our uh, good friends of the WWE Network's uh, website wrestling. lately. Yes, yeah, so you yeah, are. That, I, I, and, uh, I, yeah, I'm trying to catch up. If you like watching Bobo Brazil grab a headlock, this is, you know, this is probably uh, some stuff you want to check out. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, we have a Ring of Honor, like we mentioned, as a little bit of service of our own. And uh, there's all kinds of events on Honor Club scheduled from 2011 through 2017 right now with lots of great more matches to come. Um, you know, one that I've always liked that, I throw, that I'll throw out there is Austin Aries versus Brian Danielson from 2004. Oh, yeah. Would that be testing the limit? It would be. Absolutely. Two out of three falls, Austin Aries versus versus Daniel Bryan Danielson. Now that that's you can watch that right now on uh, Honor Club is what you're saying. I believe that's in the Bryan Danielson compilation that's on there. Yeah, uh-uh, and uh, yeah. I, I've always I've always been a big fan. Uh, you know, Danielson versus Morishima is is great from Manhattan Mayhem. I believe in 2007. Yes. Um, and just anything Bryan Danielson. So right now. 
um, as we're expanding our, our classic section, um, there is some great Danielson compilations available right this second with plenty more to come. So that's one of the great things you can, you can do with Honor Club is watch some of the great matches. Um, one that I'll throw out there uh, uh-huh. from t- 2015, Jay Lethal beating Jay Briscoe at Best in the yeah, World for the World Championship. Yeah. That one's come up, yes. Uh, yeah. Do you remember when Hulk Hogan shocked the world and formed the New World Order? Or when Stone Cold Steve Austin passed down in the sharpshooter to Bret the Hitman Hart? I'm Torch contributor Frank Pettiani, and I've reviewed these shows and many more for my exclusive VIP podcast, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back 10, 20, even 30 years, review pay-per-views from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what took place then to what what is taking place now. You get exclusive access to these and other podcasts as part of your PW Torch VIP membership, which is compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. Visit pwtorch.com slash govip for details and sign up for them. Let's see. If I'm, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember exactly what year it is, but a match I did get to see in person at Southern Navigation. It was... Uh, Brian Danielson and Tyler Black. And I know there's Ooh. a couple of people online who are very high on that match. Uh, Absolutely. That that's a that yeah. is a great bout. That's that's one that was on my must watch list before I became the uh the lead announcer here. So it, it's funny, you don't really get a playbook or, or uh or or whatnot to to do the job, but there are there are plenty of suggestions from folks online which is is great. It speaks a lot about the Ring of Honor community. Uh, the passionate fans we have, and the fans that oh, yeah. have really stuck with sure. us as we've, you know, there's been some comments maybe about, you know, the changing of the Ring of Honor identity, but I think our DNA has stayed true, and I think Ring of Honor still has the same spirit um, that we had when we formed in 2002. Yeah. Okay, that uh, match, by the way, uh, May 9th, 2008 in Manassas, Virginia. Uh, that was a uh, that was a good night. That wasn't even the main event. The main event was the No Remorse Corps against... Gosh, I want to say uh, Kenta, Morishima, and uh, Go Shizaki. That was that wow. Was those are those <laughs> those are great names that you you don't hear enough anymore. Um, especially Kenta. You know, he's such a great athlete and and such a rich history in Ring of Honor for mm-hmm. you, you know somebody that wasn't necessarily um, you know under contract per se, <laughs> right? So. Right. Yeah, he's become sort of a forgotten man elsewhere, and that's that's a that's a shame. Uh, you you don't want that to be the case. All right, uh, let's talk about some of the other uh, let's talk about some of the other great matches from the past that we can throw on here. I mean, obviously, yeah, okay, Daniel Bryan Bryan Danielson versus Kenta that that should be on there. That was Glory by Honor five. I mean, the, the problem is the problem is just you know, I mean. Brian Danielson, he he is all over you know the list of the greatest matches because of the length, of, you know, partially because of the length of time he was there. Oh, absolutely, and you know it's it's amazing too when you do think about the length and the breadth of his, his run in, in Ring of Honor and what he did in establishing the Ring of Honor style. You know whether it was the very first Ring of Honor event or uh, you know through the years until he left in. Um, you know, was it 2009, I believe? Sorry, the years are running together for <laughs> for me. Um, but really just yeah. elevating himself and, and those around him in, 
just everything he did. Uh, and he's somebody that, you know, it was so special. And if I had one wrestler that, um, who's currently retired that I, I wish I, I would be able to call about for, it would absolutely be Brian Danielson. Um, just an incredible, incredible wrestler. And, uh, you know, yeah, his health pac- is obviously you know, more a, l- a little patience, Ian. I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you never know, right? I mean, stranger things have happened, but, you know, his yeah. health is certainly the most important thing. So, Yes, I agree. But, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it would. Uh, you know, it would. It would. He's one of those guys you want to see come back, but you don't want to see get hurt. Um, let's see. Uh, Michael Elgin and Davey Richards from Showdown at the Sun and the Sun back in. Jeez, uh, 2012. Was, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I believe that was six years ago already. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible, and um, you know, it, just the intensity from from both those competitors, and it's. That's a match that uh, that I I can watch you know time after time and as somebody that you know at the time um, you know that was a moment when I was just kind of entering the workforce and really focusing on getting married and the career and all that fun stuff and trying to break into to baseball uh, television. That was a match that I actually saw later. Um, I, I watched just a, a DVD that I happened to get uh, from the ROH Pro Shop and I had very little idea that that was on it. So that was one of the, um, you know, all, all personal things aside, that was one of the, the best matches I have ever seen that I didn't expect to see, so to speak. Uh, just a a great, great match. And, um, yeah, I'd like to add, there's, um, obviously Joe versus Kobashi. I I don't know if you said that one yet. Um, no, we we (laughs) haven't talked about that, but that was, you know, that was uh, back in 2005, a match that a lot of people who hadn't seen Ring of Honor yet decided, eh, you know, this this I, this I might want to check out. Yeah, it, it's uh, crazy because yeah. I believe it was Kobashi's first match ever in the U.S. And yeah, it's uh, yeah. just in, incredible. Like the the intensity. Speaking of intensity, I mean the the two of them. Uh, I believe at one point Kobashi's left arm starts to bleed just from how hard Joe was hitting him. Um, it looked like he opened up maybe an old, uh, old wound, which is kind of crazy because you usually, you usually get chopped or hit on the chest or the head, or, <laughs> but yeah. you can see the blood, ve- you can see the blood vessels kind of percolate. Uh, and that's what always stands out to me about that match, uh, was, was of all things, Kobashi's left arm. And, you know, that, that to me was just a mark of intensity that I, I didn't really appreciate until I s- watched it back the second and third time. And yeah, it's just some amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, Samoa Joe's title reign, I think, was. Uh, I, I think that was a big boost for Ring of Honor. He was, you know, he was doing the, uh, you know, he was doing the "I am the game, I am the greatest," you know, thing before. I mean, before Triple H was doing it and doing it better. I think just you know, as the as the just the intensity of uh, of him as as champion and uh, and hopefully he's uh, going to be back uh, wrestling again soon. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the wrong time to be out with an injury. Uh, but, okay, let's, yeah, let's go back unfortunately. Yeah. All right, one more thing. I, I do want to go over some of the stuff for, for this Saturday. Well, excuse me, this Friday. I keep, uh, I keep thinking Saturday, but you guys do Friday night pay-per-views. Uh, Las Vegas at the 16th anniversary show. You know, you got, uh, you've got a few you know, big matches, but uh, one that's just been announced, um, Marty Skrull, well, uh, somewhat recently, Marty Skrull and Punishment Martinez. That's um, 
that I think is going to be is going to be different, but interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's going to test both men because Marty's a very uh, technically sound wrestler. Uh, he uses the he's a lot of the world of sports style uh, wrestling and strategy where. He works with small joint manipulation, but different than a way a UFC fighter might do so. Um, and he he's able to really hone in on on the the small joints that help stabilize and help uh, wrestlers really attack. And whether that's the fingers, the wrists, the elbows. Um, and he's a guy that really belongs in the world title conversation. You know, he's one of the great TV champions we've ever had. Um, I believe he's tied for second all time in most defenses. I believe he tied Matt Taven for that mark uh, uh, yeah. a few years back. And, uh, you know, Jay, Jay Lethal is number one. But, hey, to be, in, to be number two to Jay Lethal in anything is not bad at all. And uh, so Marty's really, really entered himself into this world title class and world title picture. And Punishment Martinez obviously has done the same. He had won uh, Survival of the Fittest back in November. And he's a guy that can really take a big jump and get maybe another title shot should he beat a guy the caliber of Skrull. So I think where he's going to be tested is can he keep up with Skrull, uh, whether that is you know footwork, whether that's agility, whether that's speed and quickness. Martinez is nearly six foot seven, um, and he's a hair under two sixty, but he does have that small man agility. We've seen him. Uh, we've seen him do you know, leap over the top to the outside. We've seen him springboard to the outside. Uh, he does a, a twisting senton where he uh, does almost like a lion salt before the senton. And he's a guy that really has stepped up his game in 2017 and heading into 2018. I think he's poised for a big year. But, you know, this match totally has, has number one contender-like uh, ramifications. It's not officially a number one contender match, but... I'd have to imagine the winner would be put right in the number one contender picture. And um, I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be a big test on a big stage for both men. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we still have to place the, place the matches from 7 to 1, and I think that's probably going to be the most difficult part. So uh, keep the calls coming, uh, 515-605-9345. We'll have more of Making the List here on PW Torch Livecast in a moment. All right, making the list returns here on PW Torch Livecast. Your telephone number is 515-605-9345. Uh, email address, pwtorchlivecast at gmail.com. Uh, chat room's open, Twitter's open. I'm Pat McNeil, uh, pro wrestling torch columnist. He is Ian Riccoboni, play-by-play man for, uh, for Ring of Honor and uh, also pretty much been over on the ground floor of Women of Honor, if I'm remembering Yeah, correctly. that's it. Absolutely. That's where I got my start. Um, you know, I was brought in to call Future of Honor and Women of Honor, uh, both when ideas were were, em- were almost embryos. Um, I was brought in in the summer of 2014, and by the summer of 2015, we had athletes, uh, but more importantly, we, you know, we had, we had great talent in mind and lined up, and uh, it's really blossomed into something where that core group has attracted uh, athletes that have made their name outside of Ring of Honor to come to Ring of Honor. Uh, women like Tennille Dashwood, like the athletes from stardom, like Mayu Iwatani, who's one of the most successful women wrestlers in the world right now. And uh, it's just been incredible to see what women like Mandy Leon and, and Kelly Klein and Deanna Perrazzo 
and Jenny Rose and Sumi Sakai, specifically Sumi Sakai, uh, have contributed to make this thing grow the way it has. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the other big announcement today, um, Ring of Honor tickets for uh, Honor United in the U.K. They'll go on sale tomorrow, uh, let's, well, for Honor Club members anyway, uh, Friday for the general public. Uh, Edinburgh, Scotland on May 24th, uh, London, England on the 26th, and Duncaster, Dunk I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's May 27th uh, with, uh, you know, with Ring of Honor and uh, New Japan Stars. And one of those shows, for all we know, might even make it, uh, might even be a, a, a live, a, well, live or semi-live show. Something we can watch. Yeah, I believe, the, I believe the idea right now is to have all the ROH on tours broadcast through Honor Club. Um, internationally, cool. sometimes that, that becomes a... Uh, that becomes a hurdle to cross, but I will definitely keep everybody in the loop as I'm sure ring of honor will as well. And and we'll shout it from the mountaintops, but I know we are attempting to do all live uh, ROH events or most live ROH events. I know one that's a a question mark right now is the, the, uh, the Jericho cruise that's coming up in October, but uh, you know, we, we don't know if we can broadcast from a boat, but we might try (laughs) and uh, you know, yeah, yeah, but I, I I believe that we will attempt, if possible, to to bring you the the UK tour live. But I'll I'll get some more clarification on that. Oh yeah, uh, I would I'd like to see that. I think uh, most of your subscribers would like to see that. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. All right, uh, we've we've gotten about, geez, I don't know, just at least 15 uh, submissions for the list here. Um, let's see. Okay, I'm going to throw uh, throw another series out at you. Uh, a lot, of, you know. There's Kevin Steen fought El Generico in the uh, in at Final Battle 2012. That, but they uh, they had a lengthy series of matches, um, and uh, you know most of those can pretty much go on the list as well. I would agree. I, I think the Final Battle matchup in 2012. Um, which for a number of years was Ring of Honor's most watched video on YouTube, uh, is one of the very, very best matches that, that I've ever seen. It's also one of the most intense. Um, it's, it's something where, the, where they're, they're tag team. Sometimes the, the best friends make the best enemies, and we, we definitely saw that in Ring of Honor. And uh, I would definitely nominate their, their 2012 match at, at Final Battle for the list as well. Okay. That's good. Uh, let's see. Do you have any any others you'd like to toss in? I know you've already you've already submitted a lot here. I have. Um, I think the tough part's going to be narrowing them down. <laughs> I, just just a little bit. There, yeah. 
there's an incredible match that BJ Whitmer and I called uh, for honor club members. This is really important because I don't know how many people got to see this because it was just on DVD and VOD. And so the great right. thing is this is another hidden gem. Um, it, it's from Columbus in 2016 road to best in the world. And it's mm-hmm. Jay Briscoe versus Roderick strong. And ah. it was one of the most ah. intense matches that I've ever called. Um, definitely a hidden gem we're seeking out on honor club. Okay. That's a, that's another fine choice. Um, let's see. Yeah. There's just, there's just too many on this list, but, but why not? Um, yeah. Tyler Black, Davy Richards, Death Before Dishonor 8. I'm pretty sure. I not did I mention that? Well, if I didn't mention that, it's it's going it's going in here anyway. Just it's. I mean, there's. I mean, that, there <laughs> there are a lot of good. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, good matches which you know have been rated. Uh, I mean, it, even even if you just narrow it down to the matches that got rated four and a quarter or better in the Observer, that's still a lot of matches. And Absolutely. it doesn't cover all yeah, that, the entire library. So yeah. And I'm I'm taking a peek at your list here, and there are a number of great matches on here as well. Um, yeah. You know, one that sticks out, the three-way tornado tag, War Machine, Young Bucks, and, and Best Friends from last year at Best in the World. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was an yeah, incredible was nine match. Nine months ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so we've had a, a number a number of great matches. American Wolves versus Red Dragon. Um, that's one that, that I definitely hold in, in high regard as well. Uh yeah, these are some of these are just amazing, and it's going to be difficult to narrow it down. I don't know if it's easier to go from seven to one or one to seven. I, I <laughs> usually, well, it, it depends on the topic, but usually, you know, one is usually starting at one. You know, makes it makes it easier, and uh, once you get the you know, and and or sometimes sometimes you just want to hit the top seven and then start sorting them. So uh, let's see. Okay, what do we want? To, what do you want to put at number one? I think we. Right now? I, I think we have to go, and this is. I mean, this might be the easy answer, but I think Punk versus Samoa Joe number two. I think yeah. that. I mean, that captured me as a fan almost more than anything, and I remember. I remember seeking out the VHS tape. I, oh, I found. Yeah. I thought I found a way to order the VHS because the DVD was five dollars more. So I that's right. I remember there. that. Oh my! Oh, yeah. Back in the day. So I, I got the VHS tape, and um, that that was one of the first ones. You know, I knew I had to check out Ring of Honor when it first started, and I remember Borders carried some of the initial DVDs uh-huh. when they were re-released through Takedown Masters. So yes, I got a couple yeah. of those. Uh, but I remember seeking out the VHS. So if it's all right with you, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Punk versus Samoa Joe number one. Oh, I'm I'm fine. With and, that. That's uh. No, that's good. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so number two. Oh, jeez. Again, there's again there's no wrong answer. Um, I I I keep coming back to uh, Daniel Bryan and Austin Aries from Philadelphia uh, testing the limit. Is that wrong? I I would be I'd be all right with that. I mean, I, I think okay. it was it was over seventy minutes of uh, yeah. Pretty nonsense. Well, yeah, it's so. a two out of three falls match, and it did go. It did last for a a long time. Yes, that's a. Yeah, I just. Yeah, you know, it's 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 amazing. I yeah you know, I, and yes, you know, I mean some of these matches they they seem like a long ago and long they happen long ago, and some of them seem like I just you know saw them yesterday for the first time. I don't know what I don't know it's what causes that. Isn't it? Probably similar. <laughs> that's, that's probably what causes that. 
<laughs> okay. Um, all right. We've, so we got we have those two. We also have. Uh, let's see. I mean, one of the comments that's been made about Ring of Honor is that there, you know, it's basically been it's basically been two different promotions. You've had the you know the pre Sinclair version and the current version. Uh, because you know the I mean the Sinclair version is done with an eye towards you know oh I don't know breaking even you know uh, trying to build an audience and you know and I mean the the uh, the older version of Ring of Honor it was I mean I don't want to say it was just for tape traders but it was you know it was designed for 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 hardcore fans you know you didn't, they didn't feel the need to branch out necessarily. Sure, and and having gotten to know Carrie Silken very well. Um, <laughs> Gary will tell you that it, it, that, that version of ring of honor, um, while revered, uh, could yeah. certainly be viewed yeah. in the IRS, uh, in the eyes of the IRS as a passion project. <laughs> so to yeah. Speak. So that's, that's, that's valid. And, uh, so while I definitely, you know, I definitely appreciate the history of ring of honor. Um, I'm so glad right now, you know, the, without revealing the very generous benefits that I receive, um, you know, I think it, Ring of Honor is amazing right now because it allows us to get great athletes, great wrestlers, and it allows the, the great athletes and great wrestlers to only have to do Ring of Honor if they choose and right. to be home most weeks out of the year uh, and, and have a really nice schedule and really compete in a family environment. And a lot of our guys do compete on, on their local independence as well, uh, which gives some, some local fans an opportunity to see, you know, national and international TV stars and, and make some extra money, but um, they don't need to, <laughs> which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, you know, in that same vein, you know, two of the guys that crossed over um, are Nick and Matt Jackson. And I think I would put their ladder match with, with the Hardys at number three, for me, okay. that might just, that might be bias because I that yeah, was one I, of the first. I expect it is, but that's okay. <laughs> that was one of the first big big time matches that I was in the arena for to call. Um, yeah. But that was just an incredible match, and I still remember how I feel and mm-hmm. or how I felt. And I think when you talk about whether it's classic era or or present era, I think how you felt when you saw the match for the first time it for me is the indicator uh, of the markets left on you and how great it really was. So that for right. me, that was right. a match that I thought it doesn't get better than this when I saw it. So I, I'll, Unfortunately, I put that and, at number and three. It yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it did. And hopefully it's still, hopefully it's, it's still real to you, Ian. <laughs> I, I've met Dave. Dave's a nice guy. <laughs> he is. He's a, he's a really good guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's. Okay. So we've got. Uh, well, we're we're about. We're we're almost halfway done. Um. Let me think here. Jeez. Okay. I don't know. I. I, I know. We we talked about uh, Michael Elgin and Davy Richards, but there was also a uh, Davy Richards Eddie Edwards match at Best in the World 2011. That's that's pretty high right. up there. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, I I know you're talking about your children and all that. It's just, uh, <laughs> right. yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to delim- to uh, delineate. Um, I I might do Tyler Black and Davy Richards at uh, Death Before Dishonor Eight. I might I might just have to put that in there. That's uh, oh, that's fine by me. Okay, there we go. Absolutely, and that, okay, that you know, hopefully that match will be available. 
hopefully that will be available soon on Honor Club. I know they're working on some of uh, some of the footage from from that year, 2010. So hopefully we'll be able to see that soon for Honor Club members. Yep, that's uh, okay. So now Honor Club. Just for everybody listening, Honor Club has uh, what is it? it's it's one structure. It's, it's like nine ninety nine for for the basic membership, and the other one if you want uh, the pay per views live. Right, so uh, nine ninety nine per month. Um, if you want the back catalog, if you want access to presale on tickets, uh, if you want the discount yeah. on the merchandise, um, it's a great option. You can see our television show. Um, you can see our television show for anybody uh, watching uh, on ROHwrestling.com. But uh, the back catalog of that, etc., is available for nine ninety nine a month. If you pay one hundred nineteen dollars for the year, uh, you get yeah. all of our great events live and. The 999 membership will get you what we call ROH on tour events like Manhattan Mayhem, uh, like Honor Reign Supreme. But the $119 will get you anything that is also distributed by a company like DirecTV or In Demand Pay Per View or what's normally considered a pay per view event. Um, you will be able to okay. stream those through ROHwrestling.com. And uh, we do have apps coming through Apple, uh, Android operating system as well as well as uh, a Roku that a Roku app that should be coming out in the uh, in the upcoming weeks. So we're really excited yeah. about that. We're really yeah. trying to create an immersive experience. But right now, um, the back catalog, which you get for the 999 and the VIP membership, is available online. And right now, it stretches from 2011 through 2017. So you can watch all of our great events uh, through there. And uh, you, can, you can see a lot of the great matches we're talking about right now. There's some compilations available to watch, including a Brian Danielson compilation, which has some of the great matches as well. There's some shoot interviews for folks who like those, including one with CM Punk and Colt Cabana. Uh, that one I oh, really yeah. enjoy. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a really cool behind-the-scenes look, which I've never seen before, with Bobby Cruz. Um, it's pretty much oh. a day in the life of Bobby Cruz. And I love Bobby Cruz, but I had no idea that he'd done this. So it's a cool feature from 2013 on uh, what what goes into the production of a Ring of Honor event, which is pretty neat. So there's all kinds of okay. hidden gems. There's gonna, yeah, there's going to be exclusive matchups. Uh, we have a great four-way from, from uh, Nashville, Tennessee that we did that's up there as a Honor Club exclusive, and, and there's going to be a lot more of that as well. All right, great. Uh, tell you what, we're going to... Uh... We're going to take one more break. We'll come back. We will uh, knock out the rest of this list and uh, and uh, talk a little bit more about what's coming up from Ring of Honor. This is Making the List here on PWTorchLiveCast.com. Uh, don't touch that dial, kids. Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Wade Keller Pro Sync Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Sync Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. pwtorch.com slash govip. All right. PW Torch Livecast presents Making the List here on uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, March the 6th. I'm Pat McNeil along with Ian Riccoboni. Ian, how can, uh, how can the fans follow you via social media and learn more about Ring of Honor? Oh, absolutely. I'm available at Ian Riccoboni uh, on all social media. And, uh, 
at Ring of Honor is really the place to be on, on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. ROHwrestling.com is how you sign up for Honor Club, uh, where you can see all of our great live events. And, hey, even if you become a, a regular member at nine ninety nine a month, we're streaming all ROH on tour events live. Um, the, oh. So those that are branded ROH on tour, you'll be able to see those for free. So, you know, I'm, if you want to connect with me, I love talking to, to Ring of Honor fans at Ian Riccoboni and to keep up with Ring of Honor at Ring of Honor and ROHwrestling.com. All right. That's fantastic. Let's, um, okay, let's try and knock out these last three so we can, uh, you know, so we can get send everybody off into uh, into a great Tuesday night and uh, and hopefully a great weekend for everybody. Now the, the TV tapings aren't going to be honored; they're not going to be live over the air. I mean that that just wouldn't make sense, right? Right. That's that's true. <laughs> um, so yeah. those are okay. uh, anything branded as a TV taping. You you will see on the, either Sinclair affiliate or uh, Fight TV app or ROHwrestling.com. We put the episodes up every Monday. Okay. All right. So. Um, there's one we didn't talk about, but uh, the the initial Dragon Gate six man back in 2006. Um, let's see. Oh, geez, it w- uh, was a Blood Generation versus Do Fixer. That sounds right for some reason. Anyway, that was uh yeah, that was a uh, that was a crazy match. I I don't know. I mean, it. I remember getting five stars at the time. I don't know if it has a long term impact into uh, into Ring of Honor history, but um, I, I think that's. Uh, that's one we could probably talk about. Um, do you have one? Do you have another one that uh, you think should end up at number five? Ian, Did I lose Ian. No, please tell me I didn't lose Ian. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I like Joe yeah. versus Kobashi. It, um, oh, that's right. We didn't have like Mario. Said, yeah, we got to put that in. Yeah, okay. Samoa Joe versus Kobashi. In terms of long-term impact, um, yeah. you know the the Young Bucks versus the Hardys. I like that because it's solidified and cemented the Young Bucks place. In, right. in not only the history of present tag team wrestling, but also, you know, just the annals of tag team wrestling. Um, I think by bringing in an attraction uh, like Kabashi to face Joe, um, I think that was out of this world. And it really, really started to turn heads for those that hadn't started to recognize ROH yet. So, Okay. Uh Number six, then I'm thinking. I'm thinking the latter war. I'm thinking uh, Kevin Steen and El Generico versus the Briscoes at Man Up. I'm thinking Ooh. that was a, and that was, if yeah. I remember correctly, that was on that was on pay per view. The the uh, the initial ROH on demand pay per views. Absolutely, that was on. Uh, I believe that was uh, what was it? Go Fight Live or Go Fight? <laughs> it might. Well, I, I don't know well, if it was on Go Fight Live. Um, you know, I, I know that. I know there are probably people in the office there who probably were hoping we'd get through the entire hour without mentioning those three words together. So, <laughs> uh, let's uh, maybe we should move along. Then. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. No, that was a yeah. That was a uh, that was a that was a very wild finish to a show. And right after, and I think that was the exact. And then right after that, I think was the debut of the Age of the Fall. So, correct. Yeah, uh, and just I, I just remember the blood dripping. Oh yeah, um, and just ooh, yeah. that's that's an image that, that, that stays with you forever. That wasn't PG. No, it wasn't. Um, all right. No. Nope. Definitely not. Okay, so really, there's only one slot left, and we have uh, we only have about uh, fifty or sixty matches to choose from. So this would be easy. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest two. And they both involve okay. Brian Danielson because I, I don't think you ah. can tell the story of, of Ring of Honor 
top seven without him having at least a lion's share of the matches. So um, oh. I'm going to throw out him versus Morishima at Manhattan Mayhem. Okay. And, yeah. and I'm going to throw out uh, him versus Nigel McGuinness uh, from the UK, which oh, unfortunately un- at this yeah. time... Unified, I, I think. I believe it was United. Or Unified, unified. that's right. Yep. Yeah. Because that was the match where they unified the titles. Okay, that was 2006. Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, that's a... Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, there's <laughs> other matches. I mean, that wasn't the only Danielson versus Morishima match. That wasn't the only Danielson versus Nigel match. Right. It, yeah, so that makes it tough right there. Uh, I would... You know what, I'm... I'm I don't know. I'd, I'd say it's... I, I'm going to say Danielson versus Nigel because I don't feel right leaving Nigel off the list. He's a good guy, and he's... He also had a uh, very long title reign, and in, where, one where he worked uh, injured for the last third of it, if I recall correctly. Oh, it was incredible. He's a guy that um, he really pushed himself, you know, through through a number of injuries, a number of setbacks, uh, to really establish himself as one of the all-time Ring of Honor greats. And yeah, he's a guy that you know. Also, when we talked about the Philly event earlier. Um, you know, he was a guy that that also departed right around the same time, and uh, yeah. I, I had the pleasure of being a commentator with Nigel. He did two two of the Women of Honor specials with me, um, so he really helped helped me through some of my early TV experience with Ring of Honor. So not only a great wrestler, but a great broadcaster. And uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think we can't tell the story of Ring of Honor without Nigel McGuinness. So I, I think we have to put him on there with uh, with with Brian Danielson. Okay. Uh- so, so Ring of Honor has the Honor Club. Ring of Honor has a huge pay-per-view Friday night. Um, Dalton Castle and Jay Lethal, and oh, I, I almost forgot Cody and Matt Taven, and they uh, in a big uh, grudge match, which is you know you, you would you wouldn't figure that necessarily for a for a grudge, but uh, it's it's, uh, it's been building for a while. Oh, you know, and it's two folks that you know Matt Taven. Matt Taven and the Kingdom are like a bunch of vultures. They're they're circling. They smell blood. Uh, Matt yeah. Taven for months and weeks has been. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust, and now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel, and you can check out daily news updates. The weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches, and I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos.
One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library, contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year in review features, including ranking pro wrestling's most influential power brokers and our torch year end awards, the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. PWTorch.com slash go VIP pwtorch.com slash govip. That's pwtorch.com slash govip for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year.